This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And we're back. Welcome to episode nine of the Always Wolves podcast. And I'm joined by my co-host, Maddie Singh. How you doing, Maddie? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. And of course, yet again, by popular demand, <laughs> we've got Ames back. How are you doing, Ames? I'm good, thanks. Very good, thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, you've had a Hi, busy man. few weeks, haven't you, Ames? Haven't you um, been decorating and stuff like that? have been decorating um sat at the desk that i put together of hellish ikea flat pack how long did yesterday. it take you five hours <laughs> i saw that on your story you honestly, know when you put it i put it down it had that many bits i thought it's going to be like a leaning tower of pizza this is honestly i i no i can't even i said an hour to my mom my mom predicted three and five so uh <laughs> ikea flat pack from hell literally, literally. But the desk is up now, so I'm sat at it now, so it's all worthwhile. And so this is like the debut on the desk. So. Oh, it's working out nicely. Me and Manny, we've had a couple of games of tennis. Yeah, we have, yeah. We I've have, seen uh, that. I'm yeah. very impressed your trips to West Park. I know, we've got... It's we're, good. It's That's good a good one. Fitness, but crikey, it wears you out, especially when you play singles and stuff like yeah. that. But our doubles team, Ames... Is at the moment we're unbeaten, aren't we, Manny? Yeah, we played two, one, two against some of the cream of the tennis players of the West Midlands. Not, but you know, working our way up to next year's Wimbledon. In fact, we actually saw um, fellow podcast and journalist host Tim Spears at the uh, when we when we played last week. He was playing with friends, and we have uh, set down um, if he wants to. uh, Maybe even Jackie, or even a thing that could be, uh, could be an interesting little a challenge. rival right? podcast tennis challenge. Yeah, that would be laugh. But yeah, they, they were playing as well. But it was unbelievable at the same time on the court, but next to us, they were. Uh, he was playing over on that court as well. But <laughs> it was it was good fun. It's good to be back, everyone. It seems like so much has happened 
uh, since we had the last podcast where we were doing our predictions. Yeah. And now we're like, crikey, how many games into the restart? We've got one to go. And so many, yeah. so many ups and downs. Um, so, I mean, Ames, I mean, how have you felt about the general um, restart, how Wolves have done? Anything that stands out for you? Well, I feel like after we had the last podcast, we were all very optimistic. We, we were unbeaten with the first three games, got nine points out of three, and we were all like, woo, we were going to win every game kind of thing. And then I think the Arsenal game was a bit of um, a bit of a reality check that maybe things weren't as rosy and wasn't going to be smooth sailing and that, you know, things could still happen and things could go in the way. Um, but I think overall, it's been, I mean, seven, we've got uh, 16 overall, which I think that's really good. Beating last year's total already, so I think it's I think it's been really positive, and I, think, I genuinely think that the break probably has done them good. Um, and I think they're slowly the games, the last few games, I think have had a lot more of the intensity that we used to as well. So I think they're getting used to the fans not being there, and I think I think it's been positive. I really think it's been positive, to be fair. And money? Yeah, well, you know what? Again, as Amy said, that, that Arsenal game was disappointing, but you're always going to lose. We're second team, second season team in this league, and 16 points in eight games, a, a, a second away from a draw at you know um, Sheffield United and a beat a win against Burnley. That would have been 90. Nobody in this league, uh, outside the top two, usually gets two points a game over a season. So in the run-in, the last eight games, sorry, yeah, we've averaged two points a game over eight games. That's, you know, that is like top two form. So we've done every. I think we've done everything we could do. Possibly we've won five out of eight, and we've had the other. Apart from the Arsenal game, the other two have been close to getting points from as well. So. You cannot grumble with that because at this time of the season, I think it is about results. It's not about fancy performances, but we've topped that up. We've, we've seen some of the best goals this season we've seen in this little period, surely. I think we have that. Uh, yeah, that goal, goal from Neto. The goal yeah, the goal. The Neto, the, that was a cracking volley. The, the goal that we had, you know, on the week, on on Monday. That was great. Matinho's, that Matinho pass, we, what, we just... I think five minutes of the match we missed because we kept rewinding it back, <laughs> rewinding back to keep, to keep. How the hell has he chipped it? Like how he chipped it to um, Doherty and he didn't break stride. And, and the smallest man on the pitch. Well, there you go. How tall are you, Amy? <laughs> how tall are you, Amy? I'm five foot two, so oh, he's got right. three well, inches awesome. on me. Yeah. So. If, you, if you tie your hair up, you're you're taller. If I wear the heels, if I wear heels, then it'd be the same height as me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I wonder what the odds were would be on Daniel Pedent scoring his first Wolves goal with his head. With his head, no. Uh, I know it was crazy, but like you said about the goal. So uh, the goal, which for me, it was the Everton Jota's goal against Everton, oh, and that pass from pass. Neves. I was just like, oh, Neves, you. He just control for me. He just controlled that game. I know Pedent had a really good first first start but for me Neves in the midfield then I was like you're getting to be a complete player you are and he's our best player since restart no doubt yeah and I still think you've got room in the tank to go up another level as well with Neves just think this 
especially from the restart, but this season he's just come into his own. Yeah, I, I describe that as being like a quarterback in American football and in throwing it to the yeah. receiver. Perfect. But he kept but he, it in as well, so he kept it in and then moved forward with it and then passed it. And you just, I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> and that was the goal because Jotter had missed one not long before that. And that was the goal. He just, it was a bit similar to the, was it the United or the Chelsea game? I can't yeah. remember. He did in the United, the, the cup game where he hit it first time. Very, very similar. And he didn't have time to think about it because he had had a couple of other chances. I think sometimes he just, when he's instinctive. He thinks too much. Well, oh, what a what a goal that was! We've had some great times to be honest. I mean, the only one downer, as as, as you say, Manny, is the last minute goals. Oh, we've got to talk about it because um, obviously we're doing a podcast. There was some criticism um, about Nuno with his uh, for the first time in a while with his uh, changes being ultra defensive, bringing the teams on us. Do you think that was it's fair to uh, to comment that the criticism is always time? fair, you know. Let's be honest, every manager, Mourinho or Guardiola or even Klopp, do you reckon they've made mistakes during this uh, restart? All of them have. It's part and parcel of the game. Um, so you've got to look at, always look at the bigger picture. Yeah, he probably looks at it and probably thought, we should have maybe kept on the front foot. But still, it took uh, an extremely horrible decision that could have gone both ways. And that was a really good performance at Burnley. It was. Mm. It wasn't like we were on the ropes for the last 15 minutes. It was only the last couple of minutes of that we sort of went into the shell. I didn't think it was too bad on the management side. So I thought the criticism, trying to compare that to, you know, what he did at Wembley, where he did make a conscious decision many minutes before the end to change the way and, and bring off his attack players, and it suffered for it. So he's going to he's going to learn from that. That's part and parcel of the, of the game. And what has he done since then? He's, you know, he's won. He, he comes back and he wins. He had the defeat. Uh, Sheffield United came back and won. He had that last minute, you know, heartache against Burnley, came back and won. He learns straight away. He knows what to do. He changes the team. He's not frightened. I mean, the team against Burnley, we nobody could have predicted that. He changed everything, didn't he? Changed well, the I think there was the, free, there was the free Podence campaign, wasn't there? Yeah, free Podence. He ended up playing <laughs> Podence and Troy. Oh, right, in the same yeah, song. He was hungry, wasn't he, Podence? He made yeah. a big impact since his coming. He is quality. What did you think of that penalty? I mean, it's our friend, uh, friend of Wolves, uh, not Mr. Mike Dean, gave two added time penalties to Cardiff to try and kibosh uh, promotion party and it kind of felt a little bit like that again Doherty handball the ball clearly did hit his hand but by the letter of the law it shouldn't it be a deliberate handball was he not defending his face I don't know I mean there's what a lot do you of think Amy? I think I can see I can see why it was given because I think there's been similar instances for other teams I mean the fact it was Mike Dean against Wolves never had okay. a situation <laughs> there's been so many times but like I said with my dad if Doherty hadn't have done that and and then was it would put a yeah. ball to his face if it was completely stood up yeah then it would have hit his face and then he would have been off for dangerous play so it does seem a bit unfair I can see why it was given because the handball it's the handball rule again isn't it it's the Anything is a handball, not because they changed it from it being 
a deliberate not for, handle. Not for the defensive side, I don't think. It, for a defensive it, side, it has to be some sort of deliberate intent from deliberate. attacking side. It can be accidental. Oh, so I didn't realise, I thought it was... Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing that is, is, is really annoying um, and with the VAR, is if you're in the defence and it happens to hit your arm, they carry on playing normally. But if you're a, an offensive player and it hits your arm, by accident, as has happened many, many times, and then you score, it gets disallowed, and it's different. And that's the thing I think that was really annoying is the fact that it wasn't a clear, I'll put my arm up to stop. Why would Doherty do that? The guy was so... It wasn't clear. I mean, his foot was so in the air. And to be honest, it's um, just you a know, natural, natural instinct, isn't it, to do that? Like, you don't, want, you don't want your eye out. <laughs> You know, Dermot Gallagher on Sky analysed that um, decision okay. straight away. And he said if, if he was a VAR official, he would have looked at two things. Number one, in the last second of the game, is Chris Wood entitled to go for that ball? Yes, he is. He's trying to score. They're, they're losing 1-0. Number two, is Matt Doherty entitled to jump up and protect himself from a dangerous boot not far away? Yeah, he probably is. So actually, that the correct decision would have been to just play on, not give a free kick for dangerous play. Just it's just an in match incident, and actually play on. So you know, VAR when everything gets slowed down and you have still pictures, it, it reduces the argument of what happens at the time because it doesn't look the same. Uh, Mike Dean, just a few facts on Mike Dean. Mike Dean's made forty-six key calls. He's made this season key decisions. And he's only got 26 of them, right? Right? 26. Oh. Mike Dean, out of 22 referees, has a rating of 2.91 by UREF, who, uh, you know, uh, uh, who analyse referees' performances and, and look at what fans say about referees. So they look at like our opinions of other neutral matches as well, not just biased opinions. And he's 22nd of 22. He's got the worst rating. Now... If you're only making 60% of your decisions right and you've got the worst rating out of all the referees, I'd expect to be pulled into the office and either book my ideas or relegated or demoted or even well, that's so. What they, do, they put them down into the Championship or League One for a while. Yeah, uh, so, so there's a problem there. It's not just a did Doherty. It's Mike Dean has got a problem. More yellow cards than anybody else. Sorry, in the top four of the 22 referees. More red cards than any other referee. And plus, then he has more key calls. Yeah, he makes 46. Other referees are on like 20 or 30 key calls. He's made 46. So he always wants to make a decision. He always wants to be centre of attention, it seems. And that's what the fans say about him, not just us, all of the fans. So that really needs looking into. Why shouldn't it be looked into? It's millions of pounds, this league is. And, and that, that one goal... You know, we we might not get in the Champions League, and we may come again. But if we had, that's millions of pounds of money, of finance, of so much depending on these decisions. And 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 so and he needs to be taken to task, I think. For his, I think as well. I think in general with referees this year, and they've just they don't seem to want to take ownership anymore because of VAR, like just falling back on it so much. And I heard that. FIFA are taking control of VAR next year yeah. and they really want to encourage them all referees to use the pitch side monitors which mm -hmm. I think is just the complete right right move and instead of you know not taking ownership and falling back on VAR and being like well VAR says this then they've got the authority and are 
push to have the authority to actually make that decision for themselves because that's what it should be. It should still be in the rest control. And what we've seen so many times at Molyneux this year, I mean, what was, I mean, the Man City game at home and the Leicester game at home are the two key ones that stand out for me, is those decisions. The referees didn't know what was happening. They just, and I think, was it Mike Dean at, was it Mike Dean at Leicester with, game? Uh, I think with Connor, with Connor Cody to ask him, well, what was that for? Yeah, point? that's the one. And he said, I don't the know. Liverpool, and that the, just summed the, the whole well. thing up for me. Yeah. It was just like, how can, what's the point in having the ref on the pitch? I'm hoping that the offside rule, um, the way it's been implemented, and the, this, like, we were talking about this accidental handball, uh, excuses to rule goals out, and the way it's been communicated in the stadium and for the ref, I'm hoping that for next season that will. I mean, when you're watching it on the TV, you can kind of understand what's going on because the tv companies are showing the replays and stuff when you're in the stadium as you know you stood there like looking at the screen what's happening what's going what on? are they checking for and and also the way that it just completely turns the atmosphere as well so it's a man city game at home oh, but just after christmas it and it was like everyone was so the atmosphere was unbelievable at the start of the game then they had those VAR decisions with the penalty, um, etc. No one knew what was going on, and the atmosphere just turned. It was like a sour grape just fell, and everyone got really angry, and it just ruined it because no one knew what was happening. So that they, they did. A, they did an analysis. Is uh, did an analysis on how much, how many of the decisions have they got right on on, on offsides, whether we like it or not. Because obviously it's all minute and it's a toe and it's, you know, that's what they've gone with. So in that respect, they've improved offside decisions by, they said, 9% from last year. Nine, is it worth all the aggro and all the heartache and not knowing and fans celebrating, they're not celebrating? Imagine last second of the game, you're in the bottom three and you score a goal. The last second of the game in the last game, you've stayed up. You've um, retained your Premier League status, and then VAR. VAR says VAR says no toenails offside. You are down. There'll be a riot. You won't be. You won't be in the stands. You'll be on the pitch rioting. You will. It's 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 horrific. So for what it's brought in, is it be, really being worth it for that? You know. Very I reckon modern. there'll be some uh, twists on that um, at the weekend. You just know it, don't you, with VAR? Yeah, probably without, against Wolves as well, won't it? <laughs> with, with our luck, it'll be us. When we'll score a last-minute winner over Chelsea, it'll be ruled out for a toenail or something. That's what'll happen, yeah. isn't it? That's, that's changing. They're going to obviously have the offside rule, but they're going to have this leeway of, you mm -hmm. know, uh, some sort of tolerance because... The cameras can't I've pick talked it. about this, didn't I, on the last podcast? Yeah. Remember you saying you were on about, how oh, it's just moving the line. But that's yeah. the, that makes sense because at least then, the physical eye, you can look the at it. Leeway. Because it. Because the thing is, if you can't tell with your physical eye, then you shouldn't have to pull out yeah. lines and protractors and, and whatever calculations. You shouldn't have to. The Jordan IU one against Manchester United, you I'm not biased, tell. you look at other teams, they didn't even show the ball being played in the frame. The frame that they showed the VAR official, the frame wasn't big enough to show where the ball was because it zoomed in, so they didn't actually know when he played the ball. They just guessed, and that makes a huge difference. So they're saying, if it's tight, you have to go with the benefit of the doubt and say he's onside, and Pedro Neto would have scored 
two goals and yeah. you know we would have had so many more goals and nobody would have moaned because, because we would have said would be something like five to seven points better off we'd have been five points we'd be five points better off if the yeah. i mean obviously everywhere everyone else would have probably had different yeah they well, would yeah. Wolves would have had five more points. Man United have had more decisions going for them on VAR than any uh-huh. other team. They Wolves would be five points better off. I think United would be five points worse off. Manchester United have had. We've used twenty players this season in the in the Premier League. Manchester United have had nineteen, nearly the same number of players that we use. So many penalties they've had this season. Nineteen. It's a record. It's a record in Premier League. This well, they had two against. They had two against Wolves. It's got to be something in it. I, I, you know, people get sceptical and talk about corruption in football. And there's a lot of money, believe it or not. And corruption has happened, does happen in football. Don't get away from it. You know, set Blatter in FIFA or even the likes of George Graham and Terry Venables and some of the dodgy dealings well, there. Yeah, in the past. Say, obviously, allegedly... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not allegedly. I, I, I'd say, you know, it's been reported. Everybody knows. And Sam Allardyce with his England thing. And, and it does happen. It does actually go on, you know, because there's lots of money involved. Cricket has it. Cricket has corruption mm-hmm. and match fixing. And um, Just before we go on to uh, what it's done to our Champions League, I just want to say a big thank you to the, uh, the Pitch Football app, uh, which are basically uh, powering up the podcast today. It's an, an app. You can download, you can vote for your man of the match and your, your pre-match predictions and predict your even your starting lineup as well. So thanks to the Pitch Football app for uh, supporting our podcast today. Much appreciated. Champions League, gone because of that. I mean, with, with those decisions that we talked about, we could have been still fighting for Champions League. It's gone in the league, but we're still um, six and we've got Chelsea coming up. Do we believe that we can still get Champions League through the Europa League? And do you believe that we can uh, do this and hold on to six? Because it's going to, I think, is, I'm right in assuming, uh, guys, there's only Tottenham that can go past us now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, only Spurs. And Spurs have Palace, which you can't see them losing against. Palace. Well, what do you think you say that, though? But Palace, if they're a London club, a bit of London rivalry. I don't know, I can feel that Palace might get a, a, a result. To be fair, though, if you saw, I don't know if you watched it with BT on Monday and the rollicking that he was giving them in. Oh, that's brilliant. That's the best thing I've ever seen. They is. weren't in the changing room. They were, in the, like, they were in the Billy Wright, yeah. Just I was like, there. oh my God, what is going down in Jack's yes. restaurant right now? Um, was they looking into the camera through the window? Well, they, while, while Jake Humphrey was in the studio talking, they zoomed into the into the into the executive boxes in, yeah. the, in the Billy Wright stand and he's there having a go at all his players who are all sitting on the just sitting around on the table yeah. in the suite <laughs> oh that's classic and I, like... I, I was like oh maybe they might have to put in a bit of a performance on Sunday yeah. now after that because I would not like to face that again in the changing I mean, room they've lost seven on the bounce and they, at one point they'd won something that's like five on the bounce and they were like so yeah. close to pushing into Europe so they need a little bit of a pride. Maybe they will do us a favour. I, I think you can. I think you can just forget about Palace and Spurs. It means nothing to us because we're going to beat Chelsea. 
So we're going but to actually if Wolves win, if Wolves beat Chelsea, then there's no question about anything. That's what I'm saying. And we're going to beat them. It's not even a question about not beating them. We are actually going to beat them. We don't lose in London. We're better than Chelsea. True. I don't care what anyone says. Our players are better. Our team's better. Our manager's better. Our ground's better. Our, our stewards are better. Everyone's better. And we'll beat Chelsea. Oh, I mean, the, we do need to get them back for that 5-2 hammering in September. Oh, now, I'm, I am a bit nervous, but I just think it's just being a Wolves fan. You just, yeah, yeah. sometimes I find it hard to be like, oh God, yeah, it's going to happen. Um, and um, my Chelsea prediction, when I, when I, I said uh, I'm a, I did the Premier League thing, I had Wolves scoring and uh, an added time winner to win it 3-2. Lovely. Thank I'd, you. I mean, I'd take that as long as it wasn't disallowed by VAR. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, we, I, I think Chelsea, you know, they've got the FA Cup final as well the week after, so they should, uh, you know, worry about you got, you I got... think Chelsea are going to beat Liverpool tonight. I wrote yeah. this down earlier. I think yeah. Chelsea are going to beat Liverpool tonight, which means they are pretty much guaranteed to finish in the top four because obviously United and Leicester have got to play each other on the last day. And so you would say that Chelsea would be pretty set by Sunday to be in Champions League. Which means that maybe they don't have as much to play for. Go on, man. I think Liverpool. I think Liverpool are going to win tonight. Believe it or not, I just think they lost their last game. They're getting their trophy lift in front of eighty thousand people, non <laughs> at Anfield. So it's a big day for them. I think they'll just come back and beat them. No, I think it's you know what? Just you imagine this though. We've never ever. We haven't finished. Uh, above Arsenal in my lifetime. Well, I was one years old, apparently. I still haven't finished outside the top six for 25 we, seasons. We have it. We, we're going to finish above Spurs, right? We're going to finish above Arsenal, and we're going to finish within a point of Chelsea. Possibly only a couple of points away from Manchester United. This is Wolverhampton. We're here to stay, man. We're going to do things, honestly. We've shook this legal, and people are looking around. Honestly, people that people have got to sit up and take notice. No more nerves. I think, that, I think they will now because I think there is a lot of, especially at the start of the season, because we, you know, we had a really good season last year, and I think it took us ages to get that first win. And I think a lot of people like, oh, second season syndrome, and to be guaranteed to finish seventh, and we've got it in our hands to finish sixth. I mean, like I, you know, I. Uh, what was it when we got relegated to League One? Eight years, oh, seven years ago, years we were ago, relegated yes. to League yeah. One. Six years ago, we got promoted from League One. Few-ish season in the Championship. But you just, you don't know, you're just so great. I feel just so grateful and just enjoying the moment. The fact that we're kind of a bit sad that we might only finish sixth because of a few VAR decisions or something. Like, it's crazy. It's how far we've come, doesn't it? It's to be fair. unbelievable. And, it, you know, when Jake Humphries was on about it being a project the other night. And I just think that is what it is. It is a project and it's got... He, he sort of put Rio Ferdinand in his place, didn't he? Rio sort yeah. of he was on about Jimenez and, and if Manchester United came in and Manchester United would be a good fit for him. And, and Jay Humphrey says, it's a project at all. Why would you want to leave such a... You've got a chance to be a club legend, legend forever. Legend. Not, you won't do that at United. No disrespect, unless he goes five seasons and scores 30 goals a season. At United, he'll be just another great player. At Wolverhampton, he'll be remembered in 50, 60, 70 years' time 
We're in that time, Raul Jimenez. And a lot of these players will, if they achieve, if they go and win the Europa League and then, oh. you know, get in the Champions League next year and then finish top four. I mean, Fosun have got this 10-year plan, haven't they? We're only in year four and we're, we've already improved the points total from last year. The worst case scenario, we've finished seventh. But it's so... We've got more points. It's an improvement, and we've still got the Europa League to come. And like I believe, we will get sixth as well. I do believe that we're going to do it. Have we? Have we? Is it fifty seventh game on Sunday? Fifty seventh. Fifty seventh. And we've lost. Year, isn't it? Is it going to be last July? We've lost August. twelve. I think twelve games, including the cups. The longest That's season ever. ever. You know. It's the 25th of July last year it started. It was a Thursday. I remember it was really hot. It's like yeah. the hottest day oh, ever. It was really boiling, it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. a night game. And then it be the Sunday that the season finishes, but it hasn't really finished because they've still got the Europa. So. Got a little bit of downtime and then uh, we're up and running again. We've got about a couple of weeks and then we're up and running again. Mm. You know, did you say that Wolves are like the first Premier League team to win a match? In the same season in two Julys or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right. They did say something like, you know, Wolves some weird, yeah, I heard that. Some weird. Wolves have won, you know, two matches in separate Julys in the same season. But yeah, I think it's just, you've got to just enjoy it, haven't you? Any Wolves fan that moans at the moment just needs to be took back, however many Forever, years. Give the red a wobble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, I'm positive for six. It's nice that it's in our hands and we've not got to rely on other teams um it's a bit frustrating because of you know the decisions that we've said in the last minute goal and we're not used to conceding last minute goals so then we need to uh obviously i think we should just for fun give ourselves a score prediction i'm going to give you time to think amy i'm going to go with manny first what's your score prediction and who's scoring at the weekend i've slightly changed from my earlier 4-0 prediction and just come back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> now, I think I think we're going to be on the front foot. And I really think that Chelsea will need to win the match and the pressure will be on them because they'll lose against Liverpool tonight. That's my feeling. And we'll, we'll take it to them. We'll play with no fear and we'll win. And it will be 2-1. Two, two, it'll be easy. It never is, but we'll win. And we'll win playing with good football. A new scoring. Goal scoring, I'm going to go for Jota. And um, we'll go for Neves. He's due a goal, isn't he? And he's played really well. 2-1, Amy? Well, I'm always a bit fearful of like predicting scores for matches. But my score against Palace was right, 2-0. So that's given me confidence uh, going in to predict this one, which feels like quite a big game to predict. And as you were talking about it, I was thinking, when I was making um, a drink earlier, I was like, right, what's the score going to be? And I did think 2-1 myself, so I think it will be 2-1, too, which seems a bit like a cop-out and I'm predicting the same score, but I did think that score. Who's scoring? Oh, God. Um, I think Jimenez, just to finish his season off with a goal, especially after the baby being born as well. Yeah. Um, He's probably and, got a celebration lined up, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm going to go Bolly. I just feel like Bolly might get a header on one for the last day of the season. Bit of a red herring there, but. Uh, that would be great. I love Bolly. I love it. Get get by Anne Ball. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say, I think it's going to be um, quite offensive, both teams, because uh, 
and I think Chelsea are going to want to be offensive and I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be 3-2 to Wolves. I'm going to stick what I've said all along, when I, from all the way along, Wolves are going to win it. And I hope it doesn't come down to this, but <clears throat> I reckon Wolves are going to, if, if it does, last minute winner, 3-2. And I think Willie Bolly is going to get a header as well. I do. I think Raul is going to get his record as the top scorer in the uh, top flight for Wolves, beating John Richards' record. I think he's going to be on fire after the baby and all that stress. Run. I think he's going, to, that's, he's going to be on fire and he's going to want to do the celebration, which might be that. And Traore is going to score on a breakaway with Chelsea pushing forward and added time and he's going to finish it and we're going to all go mental. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just cancel the match, cancel it, call it off, it's done. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, Dave. Don't day. need to play it, don't need to play it. We're all ultra positive, so let's hope we do and we get the sixth place. So, um, player of the season, I'm going to give Manny a little bit of a break this time and put the pressure on you first, Ames. Yes. Who's your player of the season this season? Well, I've got like a runner-up and then a winner because I thought about this the other day. Fair so, enough. the runner-up is Traore for the improvement from last season. As of on the last podcast, I called him a donkey every game from last year. So, just to see the improvement and just like his work ethic and just how much he seems to love being there. And I think a lot of credit obviously goes to Nuno and the coaching team as well because... You know, everyone comments about it. Everyone says, you know, he's turned into... He's, what was this? I think it was against Man City game and on match of the day, they said he was... Um, last season, he was, like, learning to drive and now he got... He's, like, in the Ferrari, however you say it. And then my player of the year is Jimenez because he was my player of the year last year as well. But I just think this season... You, you didn't think he could get any better and he just seems to get better... And I know as we said last time, you think he's done it all and then he does another little trick and does like a header, scores goals from headers and then scores that strike against Burnley. And you just think, how can he still be surprising us like two years down the line? That's a good call, that is. So, uh, Manny, who are you going with? You know what? The, the mind has switched a million times trying to think of who, you know, Neves has come into his own in the business end of the season and he's improved and he's totally invaluable to the team but we always seem to go for offensive you know exciting player and role if he breaks that record what an achievement and um how can you look past him and try all right you know i think those are the those are my three connor cody always bless him yes, always that's it, that was that really was short, the third Raul Jimenez, if you look on stats facts what he's doing how invaluable he is. Okay, well, my call is I'm going to do a most improved um, and a Most player. improved, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go a bit like you, Ames. I think um, it's got to be uh, Adama Traore, um, the most improved from last season. Um, yeah. as, as you say, I think you, you look across the board, Matinho, absolute, can't believe he's playing for us. Um, Neves, you know, he's, had, a, had his ups and downs. Cody's 74, 75 consecutive matches played or something like that. Incredible. And Matt Doherty, I mean, 
he's just immense what he does. But again, you can't really look past the fact that Raul's assists and his goals scored and what he brings without the team and what we would how we would cope without him. He's the one key player, I think, uh, that we haven't got a, an absolute direct replacement for at the moment. And I hope he does stay. Um, so I hope he gets the record against Chelsea. That would be amazing. So probably just edging it, Raul Jimenez as player of the season. I think we've all gone for that, haven't we? Yeah. Raul Jimenez. So I think it will be unanimous, unanimous amongst the fans, you know, um, I think. If you listen, are, they doing a, are they doing a vote this year? Because I know, I was joking about this. Remember when you had your old season ticket and you used to have to rip yeah. the tip out and hand it in and then last year it was on the app. I think it's been on the app for a few years now, but I've not I seen anything just, come through. Everything just went on hold because of COVID, didn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, any any sort of... Um, uh, a lot of a lot of people have cancelled their awards and stuff like that because they're just not going to happen, are they? So I don't know whether they will do something last minute or they'll wait till Europa League. That gap between the league ending mm. and they Europa might league. do actually and do it then and keep the engagement with the fans. To uh, to be honest, it'd be uh, interesting to see how that one uh, plays. I guess we'll get some news on that. But yeah, absolutely fantastic uh, and well deserved. And whilst we're on, um, I think we obviously. Want to wish Raul Jimenez and Daniela um, congratulations as we just touched on on the birth of their first child. Uh, their yeah. daughter. It, what, Ari, uh, Aria. 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 There's something. Aria. Something, is Aria. There, I think that's based. <laughs> her name is based off um, Aria Stark out of Game of Thrones, and Aria Stark. Their symbol is a wolf on Game of Thrones. Did you know? Oh, is that right? Yeah, they just love it though, don't they? Like they both seem to just love being in Wolverhampton and like love supporting Wolves and everything. So yeah, yeah congratulations to them both. Uh, and we do wish you well, and it's you know they're such a lovely couple as well, and uh, they've really embraced Wolverhampton and you know Danielle, and they're, they're just it's just great to see, isn't it? And um, I think uh, whenever they obviously they do move away from Wolverhampton. And the area, I think it'll always be kind of home to them as well, you know. Because well, now they now they've got a kid born in born and bred in Wolverhampton. She'll always want to come back. It's exactly. always going to stick with her. It'll always be always. on a passport. <laughs> always be on a passport. Yeah, that's right. It will be. It's absolutely fantastic. So congratulations to. Uh, to oh, brilliant, brilliant news and good timing as well. Hey, you know, impeccable timing into the box. Like one of his um, runs, somebody said. You know, after the end of the match and then before. With plenty of time before the next match, so yeah, it's going to be on fire for Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so one other thing that I want to touch on, which obviously there was the announcement um, by Boris and the government that stadiums might should be able to hopefully, if everything stays good and there isn't a massive research, that the stadiums could start to open from October. And it's a question that I want to put to you both to answer. Um, when the stadiums do open, do you think because how they do it? How they because obviously we've got twenty thousand season ticket holders, ten and plus walk-ins, and then um, ten thousand on the waiting list. If it's socially distanced, how many they would be able to get into the stadium? And do you think they should do it in a phased way? Whereas what if you've got X amount, you can go, and if, you, if you're over a certain age, you can't. Or do you think they should wait until we should? We can all come back at the same time together as one pack, like we were stopped from going as one pack. 
what is your thoughts on that? Um, well, I had a conversation this morning of the day about like social distance, everything. Some one of my friends, a friend of a friend, works at the Spurs ground, um, and they've done the calculations that if they obviously what's the capacity of that stadium now? Is it seventy? Um, if they made it so everyone was socially distanced in their seat, their capacity will be reduced to 3,000. Wow. So 3,000 if everything was proportioned so you were two metres apart from well, everyone. Know, isn't it? There was, that was based on the two metres. Yeah. So, and you think if things were to surge again, would it go back to two? But I just think how can the season tickets and how can they say you can go to this game but then we could have Albion at home and you weren't allowed to go to the Albion at home how do they make that decision so I think it needs to be everyone goes back I think you wouldn't want a half empty stadium you just it should be everyone goes back together and I just think I would rather wait under six months until go back at the same time as everyone else yeah yeah 100% Mane your thoughts Obviously, everybody wants to go back together. You want to see a full stadium. You want to see everybody roaring on. But people also want to see football. Football's not just a game where people, you know, went and saw their team. It was them going out. For some people, it was the only thing they had in their lives. There's a lot of people sitting at home now who don't have that outlet of going out, whether it's 3,000 fans or 10,000 or 30,000. So it's a bit more of a picture to just getting society moving again yeah prefer i'd prefer everything to be open and we all go back together and it's great and we're all full and and happy but i just don't think it's going to happen i think they're starting trials they've been asked premier league clubs to do trials as well and do i don't know how they're going to do that before the october so it's not such as they can just in october say okay we'll allow five thousand fans in and this is how we're going to do it how do you how do you pick this is the point. How do you well, say? Do it? That's you not a problem for me. That's not a problem. That's not a problem for me. I don't see that as an issue. Other fans do, right? That I think that's fairly straightforward. For you know, I was in a TPS scheme. If you remember that, which do you remember TPS scheme? Yeah. In two thousand and three, the demand was high, and nobody could get tickets, and they basically guaranteed you six tickets a season, which is like two band A, two band B, and two band C matches, and they were a lottery. You could get any of the, you know, matches, and you were just sent the tickets home, so you were guaranteed six games a season. So something like that. It's very, you can work out if you've got twenty thousand season ticket holders or twenty three season ticket holders. You can divide things up, and it's a lottery. And some people will get to attend some matches, and some people won't get to it. You're going to attend all of them if it's socially distant. You can't have this. I want to go to every single match. It just ain't going to happen unless they allow everybody in. So I, I get what you're saying, Manny, but at the, at the same time, TPS was for people that obviously it's like the membership now that hadn't yeah. got season tickets. There's twenty well, thousand. But what it was, it was a way of selecting people and selecting matches for you, and and that's the way. That's the only way it can work when you. What, like what, I says, what if you like got? Well, you can go to Bournemouth Hotel, yeah. but they can go to West Brom. And that's yep. more, if, it, if they come up. That's, that's, that's lottery. That's how lottery works, Dave. And I think you probably, it'll end up being like that. But me, I'm with Amy. I think we're one pack. We stop going together. And, you know, and if we all have to wait to come back together, 
that would be quite an emotional match to come back as one pack all together. And I would hope that uh, obviously finances and stuff and will 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 dictate. But my preferred option, obviously, if I get a chance to go to the games and we, we have to do it like that, then yeah, okay, we'll have to do it that way. But I, 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 I'd, I'd like us all to come together as go back together when we can. Hopefully, mm -hmm. you know. Things are coming you along. may not you may not have that situation for the whole of next season, so you might have to write out out the whole season. Possibly. Where you don't attend a single I'd, I'd in my I'd in my head, I was very shocked about the October announcement. To be fair, I yeah. was very very shocked. I'd in my head written the whole of next season to be played behind closed doors because until there's a vaccine, even socially distance, I just don't see. How that, I mean, even that, if you, know, you think you've got, you can no, manage no. the social distancing in the stadium with who sat where, but there's still, if it was, say, half the capacity, 10,000 fans going to Molyneux, that's how can that, bringing that amount of people together, you can't manage that going to the ground or anything, like, that's just impossible. I, just, I don't know, I think, you know, if it is, it is going to be what it's going to be, but... The ideal situation is for me is that everyone goes back together. I said to mom the other day, like you say, it's going to be emotional. I said, you know, one of the things that I have missed the most is going to the football. And you say it's not just going to watch football games. Like, I've always loved going to the football because it's time that I just spend with my dad. And I think that's the same for a lot of people. Like my dad never had a son, so it was just like two daughters that he always dragged along to football. But then that's just become a way of life and. I said to him the other day, I said, you know what, we don't spend that much quality time together unless we're going to the walls, like we watch it on the telly together, but the actual proper, proper time yeah, is going to the football. So it's, and that's one of the things I miss most. And I said to my mum, I said, I think I will be just sobbing when you get back there, like when you walk in and everyone's there and it's such a social thing as well as just watching it. It's not just the game, like people that say, oh, it's just a game. They just, I don't understand. It's not. It's people's <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's I, I, all, all come out yeah. in the uh, all come out in the wash. But I, I, I was on yesterday. I was on a, a Wolves Foundation Head for Health session, and you'll speak to people who rely on this, and they can't wait to get back in so, even any sort of form. So that's what I'm saying. The ideal, you know, it's great. One pack all together, everyone in there together. How brilliant that would be! And you're prepared to. Your situation might be okay that you're prepared to wait. Others, this is their only. This is their only outlet to get no, out. And get, don't get me wrong. Juicy. It comes yeah. to, uh, to the point where you know that's the way it's going to be done. Yeah, you'll you'll it's go. Not... But but, but but and I understand that people. Yeah. We've all got our own needs to go to the game, but we all yeah. stop going together. And I want it all together. Of course, I do. I want it all together. I want it to end in a vaccine found and we go back. But. It All being well, I mean, there is positive signs with the vaccine and, and obviously the treatments that the Oxford and the Cambridge and there's a lot of advanced trials that, you know, the possibility that there could be uh, could be out this side of uh, Christmas with if they, you know, they're 80% confident that, they, that it works. So let's hope it does. Um, because like football, crossed, like, yeah. football isn't the same without the fans. It's great no, watching it. And it's a I think if you watch Nuno's interview... Nuno's every time, every time Nuno interviews, that's the first thing he says at the moment. And I think there's been not just Nuno, just match of the day and everything. It's yeah. the one thing, and not just for football. Like I've been watching a lot of cricket like the last few days, and 
each sport just relies on fans and supporters and spectators. When England, when England won that cricket match, when it was a brilliant, thrilling finish, and it was just so they just sort of gave each other high fives and walked off. And yeah. there's no fans, there's no rejoicing, there's no clapping, there's no lap of honour. And fans make sport. They make sport and they make, especially that type of, you know, And it's like Liverpool to, tonight are going to lift the trophy. Mate, don't ask, don't don't speak to me about that. Do not They're speak not to me about that. They're not going to be in front of their fans doing it. They'll be on £1 million, pounds, Dave, £1 million, pounds, ripping their seats out, putting on a stage, uh, on their fireworks, a million quid, and there's not a single fan there, you know, for me. Tragedy, isn't it? It's tragedy. They're on about furloughing their staff and they're spending a million pounds on fireworks. I, I think it's tragic. People have to realise, like Nuno said in his interview, people have to think differently. And even about spending money and, and spending £80 million on a defender and stuff like that. You've got to think differently for the moment because he thinks about more than just the football. He thinks about society and the well-being of people. He's, he, you know, he, he talks in those and he's talked in that manner this week as well. And, um, it's really personal to me as well. I find it quite atrocious that a club would spend a million quid on a trophy lift where there's not going to be a single fan. They could wait, couldn't they? They could say, we'll wait till and we'll do but something they, really Liverpool cool. ain't thinking of that. They, they think one million pounds spent on that and a global audience and yeah, well. millions of pounds, that, that, that brings them the image. That's what they think. They think that's a million pounds that's invested in their brand which makes them a bigger brand. And that's the reason that they're doing it. So I agree with you, it's a lot of money, but the revenue that they get off the back of that uh, and the, the global awareness they get off the back of it and the spectacle is going to be shown all over the world. So that brand is going to benefit 10, 20 fold off the back of that million pounds. That's a business decision. <laughs> well, 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 it falls with the Europa League. I mean, that'd be amazing as well, but we're like, we probably won't have a million pounds spent. We'll probably lift it like the... Uh, like in the FIFA in the middle and do it that way. Be nice if we did, but again, we won't be there, will we, by the looks of it? Uh, I hope we get that far. I really do. <laughs> yeah, I hope we get that far. <laughs> you think, um, just before we get on, obviously we will do a Europa League special um, if we get through the Olympiakos tie. Um, before we get on to listener questions and uh, viewer questions, do you think we can, uh, we're going to get the job done against uh, Olympiakos? Um, I think it's going to be a different game. Definitely going to be different to what we've seen so far. I think, I think they will. I think they'll beat Olympiacos. Um, but the, we've kind of got the advantage. Feel more confident because they've got the away goal. But yeah, I th I, I'm confident for Olympiacos. The, the, the next round will be will be a tough, tough one. I it think will be whoever they're two of the five. What about you, Manny? Um, you know what? It all depends on how, what Olympiakos, what stage they're at, and I don't know what I don't know what you guys know about the Greek season. Are they actually? You know, when's the last time they played? Was twenty um, fourth of June, July? No, sorry, they have played. So they are yeah, playing. They, they were back before the Premier League, weren't they? Four, yeah, five, six. So they've won. Yeah, they have been playing. They've won six out of their eight games, but it is a Greek league. So they are playing, they're in form, you know, they're in form. It's going to be a tough match. I think it's going to be a really, really tough match, tight match. Oh, it's all about... Identical score. It's all about getting through, isn't it? It's all about just getting the result, getting through and, and giving you a chance in, in that tournament in Germany. I think that away goal is going to be, uh, in, like what Aim said, is going to be important when we come to that. I feel... I, I, 
I mean, follow a bit the Olympiacos fans. They're quite confident, actually, that they will get the result. But they they are a good side. But I think they are a good side. I think the fact that Wolves have been playing the level that we had in the Premier hopefully, and hopefully up to more match fitness, they'll have that little break. Hopefully, we'll get the job done, and then we can have a very very exciting mini tournament in Germany to talk about. So let's hope we do have that. Um, did you get any questions, Manny? I didn't get no questions this time, Dave. I don't know if you've got anything. I do. I do have some questions. Hold on. Um, this is a question from uh, BCWV. What positions do you think Wolves need to improve on? I think in, uh, in the state that Wolves are in, they should be looking at possibly improving like all areas. Because that's, I think that we're not at the stage. We're at a stage where we've achieved so much with a group of players, and now we think we should be thinking: how can we be better in midfield, more attacking, maybe to support the attackers quicker? Um, so I've always said, you know, maybe somebody in a in an attacking midfielder number ten type role. But do we play that type of system? Will will that be something we do? Because we have the sitting midfielders, um, you know, in our Fallback positions. I think we're quite blessed, but um, Doherty, when he's replaced, we're having to put Triore back there. So maybe somebody on the right-hand side in the centre-half positions. You know, we've, Bennett ain't got really a future at Wolves, I don't think. So we've only really got Max Kilman and dropping Dendonka back. So maybe a centre-half, and then the one that we haven't got is a replacement for Raul. And I. Yeah, I think definitely defence because you do worry a bit if the injuries do are unfortunate to come in. You, that's the area that does concern me a little bit because that back three, I know you're kind of interchanged with Dendonka from time to time, but yeah. it's so unchanged, isn't it? And, you know, we were, when Bolly was injured, we we did, I mean, it was fine because Dendonka dropped back and it was covered well. But when he came back, it was like having a new man and the clean sheets speak for themselves. So I think yeah. that defence is definitely something he's looking at. And obviously, Raul, the, the striker, because it's, it's him, isn't it? But I think, you know, there's options. He can seems to interchange the forward, the attacking, a bit more. There's a bit more rotation, especially... You mentioned that, but yeah, we've got very good forwards, um, uh, forward options. Um, I, I think um, there's definitely going to be a defender coming into that Saiz-Dendonka position. Uh, it's good that, obviously, Bolly's signed that extended contract. We do need that backup for Raul, and I hope he stays. If we get Champions League football, I think he definitely will stay. Um, and then, obviously, I, th I think another central midfielder. I mean, Morgan Gibbs White. It doesn't look like he's got much of a future with the in the team. He's not even getting on the bench, which is a shame. Uh, he has got talent. I could see him being loaned out to a Championship club next year. Potentially. Yeah, I think he'll go on loan, and he needs a bit of discipline in him, I think, as well. So. And probably a bit of strengthening on the wing-back position um, as well. And there's an interesting question that's come up here, and this is from um, Matt. Um, and it, it, it probably comes in a little bit to the team strengthening. What do you think of the five-substitute rule? Because uh, I think they've said they're going to keep it on for next season and this drinks break. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, the drinks, break, the drinks break needs to go completely. Unless it's... To go, yeah. Yeah. Unless it's like 30 degrees or something, drinks break needs to just 
You don't you think it's turned into a tactical timeout? It's not a drinks break. What it was designed to do, it's not that. It is actually the manager getting his players around and coaching them again. I'm, uh, it was a drinks break. The yeah. Nuno wouldn't be allowed to go and talk to them. They'd be like, them putting the bottles of water in front of them, yeah. have a sip, lads, put your bottle down, get back on the pitch, but it's not. And so it just disrupts the disrupts everything too much for me. I just The drinks break, you might as well retime the whole match then, have four mm. quarters, because that's what it is. You might as well retime it, have four quarters. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, I hope that don't come in this year. I, I, I just don't like it. I mean, you, you see them sometimes... I'm with Nuno on the, on the five subs, And they're having a drinks break. Uh, what about the five substitute rule? I think they said that's stale, isn't it? Next season. Again, I'm with Nuno there. Um, I'm not, you know... Three subs is more than enough. It gives you more ample opportunity to make changes and influence the game. And, and five subs, it will just be... And the three zones don't really work because managers still hold them back and then make tactical substitutions to slow the, the game down. So if you've, got, if you've used your three and you've got in a position, you know you're going to use those other two just to slow the game down yeah. even more, not because you want to... So, again... Big squads like Man City, they've got two first 11s because they've spent... It was no FFP. Bigger squads, doesn't it? it does. Yeah, well, I think, I think just it, to me as well, you basically, with five substitutions, take the goalie out of it because you, you won't change your goalie. Unless That's basically good. replacing half the team. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Like, I just... Crazy. It's like a pre-season friendly. Like, yeah, it's too much disruption and... I, just I hate don't it. think yeah. for the players itself. I don't think Wolves have used any more than three. You know the match oh, against Arsenal? The match against Arsenal, I thought we, we started the second half fairly well. And yeah, thought, we did. Which is and interesting. Even if they scored and then suddenly the drinks break came and then there were subs. And suddenly five or ten minutes of the game just passed like that without with nothing nothing happening and we lost all momentum and, we just, and then they scored and it was that, the end. And... I just thought if there was not a drinks break and those subs hadn't been made, because what Arteta did was he saw the drinks break through, they went back on the field, a minute later Arteta got the subs on, so he didn't use them in the drinks break because he wanted to slow down the, the game even more, and it was huge, it was huge to the influence of that game. Normally, I think we would have carried on with that wave we had and maybe possibly got back into the game, so I, I hate both of those things. No, and I very much hope that the drinks break don't come in next year. I mean, I, like of you, I think three subs is more than enough. Mm. And it only really works in the favour of the bigger squads. Um, and it, like as you say, it tends to be a tactical. And I, I mean, if it was to continue, I think you're right. I think the, the, the coaches and stuff, it should be drinks there, independent people passing the drinks out, and there's no coaching, because that's what's happened. Supposed to be just go off, have a drink, and they stand remember, around. Remember, remember Hall City and Phil Brown with his half time. That's what's happening at every match now. Every match, you see the, the zoom in and the Guardiola is yeah, going mad, and you know, and it's not that's not for all footballers. No. Once you cross the white line, it's down to you. I've had my bit, you've got you know, you go and before and, I hope and, all, and the thing is they're all doing they're all doing it because everyone else is doing it isn't it you could say oh, well you know what just it. another it's thing has your dad got on the pitch yet has anybody know seven minutes he's minutes you know what when i want to see that you know that tablet they've all got tablets now it's no uh, fag paper they've all got the tablets that like yeah, yeah. showing him all the tactics and saying oh this is 
there was like 30 seconds to go and he had he had that much instructions like i was wondering what are they showing him what is he doing <laughs> watching like an episode of some soap in portuguese or something i felt for him Anyway, it's been an absolutely brilliant podcast again. Uh, we've had, uh, we've had, we've covered some juicy subjects in this one, and it's uh, it's great yeah. to have differing views and oh yeah, across. yeah. And if you're listening to this, the, the things that we've talked about with the Premier League, with the drinks break, uh, you're watching it on YouTube. Leave comments below. Give us a rating on the uh, on the podcast. L- leave us your thoughts or any subjects that you want us to cover in the. Uh, the next one, which will probably be in a couple of weeks, uh, two or three weeks' time. Um, just before we finish off, um, Ames, what's your socials? Um, Instagram, Instagram is Amy Had, so A-M-Y-H-A-D-Z. There's a lot of cat content on there. Yeah, so if you like your cats, Ames love her cats. She builds flat packs from, from <laughs> Ikea. And you, Manny? Um, Pedalsing uh, on Twitter, so that's where I'm mainly on with the football. Hopefully, do something soon. Are you again. doing just quickly? Are you doing the? Are you doing that? Domestic? We have it. We have it. To be honest, we sort of held back a little bit, um, but I'm just thinking Europa League. Let's see the Olympiacos, and then we just I don't know. A Europa League. I don't know if the Germans eat samosas. I don't know how I'm going to twist that one in, but we'll <laughs> we'll come up with something maybe for that. I don't know. And, you can, and you can get me on my socials. Uh, just search Dazzling Dave on Instagram uh, or Twitter or Always Wolves Facebook page there is now so you can uh, like that guys it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much again and as I say you know tune in for the next one and hopefully we'll be settled into Europe fingers crossed and uh, we'll be looking forward to even winning the Europa League I believe I believe until the next one uh, from Ames Manny and myself Always wolves. Always wolves. Thank you. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates are already booked in for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.